Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Destination Linux Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to discuss Apple's One More Thing event and whether there is anything of interest in their latest offering of Apple Silicon. I'm going to tell you, this one was a huge disappointment for me. We're going to get into it in the show. Does this move away from Intel and AMD actually help the consumer or just Apple? Those are some of the topics we're going to cover. We're going to get all that, and then we're headed to the camera corner, where Wendy discusses a 250 megapixel, even though they don't matter. That's what we learned, Wendy. 250 megapixel Canon monster that apparently does matter, and a community member request is fulfilled. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addict starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures everyone has had this week. Michael, what have you been doing with lapel mics? I got it. I was actually testing. I had a, I've had already had a couple of lapel mics from just different testing for making videos for throughout the years and whatnot, and... I would when I'm in my move recently, I packed everything up, moved it all, and somehow cannot find my adapter for cameras anywhere. Because turns out there's certain types of lapel mics that are made for smartphones, and they also usually have an adapter for cameras. And then there's also some that turn that do like a hybrid approach. And I did not know that until trying to use my lapel mics with the camera, and it did not work. So looking for i don't know like like weeks trying to find this adapter i went online to see if i can get a replacement it's like 30 dollars for the replacement i didn't even pay that much for the whole thing so nope uh so i decided yeah. to buy a different lapel mic and just got one from amazon and i did i went through like a bunch of reviews and stuff like youtube videos talking about like which the best lapel mic for that kind of thing and this thing, not only does it have the support for smartphones, it also has cameras and it has a little toggle to switch back and forth, which I was like, that, that's fantastic. But the kicker here, it's only 20 bucks. And oh, nice. So, far, yeah, so far, it's been fantastic. So I am looking forward to using it much more often. Now, if this was my story and I was telling it, here's how it would work. I'd be looking for the lapel mic or the adapter that I need. Couldn't find it. Order the new thing I needed. The second it came, I would find the old one. That's how yep, my that's story. That's my luck too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, well, this time that didn't happen for me, luckily. But I do want to say just a quick note: I did open the package already and have already tried to use it. So, congratulations! I, I'm, I'm, you're I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, so I'm growing as a hardware enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Did, do you have uh, the name of the lapel mic? And if you don't on hand, give it to us right after Wendy's done telling us what she's been up to. Will do. I don't remember the exact model number, so I'll look, I'll look it up right now. There you go. Wendy, nice. I hear you've been doing some gaming. Yeah, so I've been doing more gaming on the computer. There was actually a sale going on on um, Humble Bundle, and I bought a few more puzzle games that I've been diving into. and. Matt is a horrible, horrible influence on me. But on the other side, where it comes to hardware, those old consoles that have been sitting at my in-laws' house for 15 years, we got them all connected up to the TV in the living room. 
And while the kids were having fun with the old Sega, they were having a blast with the Atari. And it is so much fun to see the kids getting a bunch of joy out of the oldest, most pixelated. Um, Zeb would hate it. Yeah, oh, yeah. And th- it was so funny because I actually had a conversation with Zeb this week. And that got brought up from the old Destination Linux when he was on and you finding the most pixelated games for him to play and that it became a community thing too. So he was getting messages where with Zeb, you have to play this fantastic, horribly pixelated game. And the kids were absolutely loving these games, having a blast with them. And it's nice for them to not only enjoy some of the new gaming that they have out there, but really getting to enjoy some of that old classic hardware with those classic games that, should be in every kid's life. I love that. I love. I, I wouldn't have expected them to be drawn to the Atari. I thought the NES or the Super Nintendo, the Sega makes sense. You got so so many great. What are you games talking there. about? The Atari has the best game ever created. E. T. I oh, mean, that's true. Yeah, everyone e. loves falling into ditches for no reason. It's isn't the, that the one they buried like a hundred thousand copies in the ground or something because yes, they can't sell it? It's the it's notoriously the worst game ever made. <laughs> It's even now, and it's kind of weird because it's it. The, the, I, I watched this uh, documentary about like retro games and whatnot, and they talked about it. And it's funny because it's it. I remember it being ridiculous and hating playing the game, and then I found out that the guy only had like five weeks to make the entire game, and for Holy such crap. a huge like IP, like yeah, of course it's going to not be very good. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I uh, what I would put out in five weeks would be uh, far worse than that game. Well, that's <laughs> awesome that you got them playing the Atari. What game is it that draws them in the most? Uh, there was a mix of, um, so they were playing the Asteroid game. Of course. I can't remember. It's a classic. Yes, it's a classic. And the one who loved it the most was my, my older son. He's 10 years old. And so that, that stick style old gaming, he was absolutely into it right up his alley. Very nice. Well, this week I've been doing some gaming as well. I have the PS5. Yes, I'm one of the few lucky people to have my hands on a PS5 and the Xbox Series S. You're going the complete opposite of where I was. Yeah, you were completely (laughs) retro. I'm supposedly in the next gen, although neither of these systems honestly really feel that next gen yet to me. I have the PlayStation 4 Pro and the Xbox One as well. And I just, the the PlayStation 5 by far, I'll, I'll be doing some videos on the DOS Geek channel on this, but the PlayStation 5 by far is the most next gen. They've done some really cool things with actuating triggers and the, you know, vibration of the controller to make you feel like you're on a soggy leaf or something along those lines. It's weird. It, it's just all done with the motors and the vibrations. And it, it's very, very cool. But that's it. Like you could take that controller and put it on a PS4 Pro and you would still have this really cool experience. And outside of that, it's, you know, the games and things just aren't there yet for a next gen console. And it just feels like they rushed them out the door so they all could release on the same date. And neither of them really had a true next gen title ready to go where it would just blow you away. Because I remember going from like the Xbox you know, to the Xbox 360, to the 
Xbox One. Is that their naming so confusing? Whatever their newer right. one was. And it yeah. really felt like a generational <laughs> jump going from those different consoles when you'd play the game. Like you're like, wow, the graphics are amazing. And in this, it just doesn't feel like a generation jump to me. I haven't had my hands on one, but the community member JJ shared a teardown of one of the new Xbox Series S, S controllers. And that's kind of the feel that I got from the person who was doing the teardown. He was so disappointed because there were so many things in the exact same spot that he's like, this doesn't even work, right? I, I can see where all the testing spots still are. They didn't move any of that stuff. So controller-wise, you're going to have to buy a new controller or more new controllers to play on the Xbox Series S. But really, they haven't done that much in the upgrade to them. It's been very disappointing. I hope some of the newer games coming out that I really love playing with my son, like the Halos and things, will be good. And I know they got delayed. Uh, they were expected to come out with the console, but they couldn't. The Xbox, to me, now I didn't get the X, the Series X, which is supposedly the that's their top of the line in their naming convention. Can we just somebody just smack whoever named these, please? Absolutely uh, awful. Yes, it's horrible. I, it's I actually been awful since the 360. Even the 360 didn't make any sense. But you're like, okay, maybe they're doing some kind of weird rotational thing. So the 720 is coming out. No, never mind. It's just one. Didn't now. the Connects uh, come out with the 360? Yeah, the Connects came out with the 360. Yeah. So I mean, that makes a little bit of sense there. It still doesn't make any sense because it's the, it, it doesn't have any real value in doing that. Because just because you, you could get the connects thing, and yeah, it's got 360 angles and whatever. But people who most people did not get the connects anyway, so most people have no idea what that's even for. So. I see nobody <laughs> played Dance Dance Revolution over here. No, I did. I had a connects, and I, I think I used it maybe twice. Well, Dance Dance Revolution is a staple well, of our you, humanity. That's that's amazing. The true the true sign of a dance dance revolution master is when you're at an arcade and you have those gigantic machines and you're on mm. the pads. I mean, that's when you really get the experience. That's true. My daughter so my still <laughs> wants a 360 because with the Kinects, there's one Sonic game that you can only play on the 360 with the Kinects, and it's a Sonic game where you surf. So that is eventually yeah. in our future because she's decided we need to own every Sonic game ever. That makes Sonic sense. Is awesome. Sonic's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, Michael, did you find the name of that lapel mic? I sure did. It's called the Boya M1, and it is available on Amazon. I'll have a link in the show notes for the... It's an affiliate link, by the way. But I have a link to it so you can see it really... It's actually cheaper than I thought. Turns out it wasn't uh, 20 bucks. It's actually 18 bucks. so even better. Oh, just keeps getting better and better. There you go. Good lapel mic for doing videos and other things and getting some decent audio. This episode of Hardware Addicts is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean recently announced their new app platform service, which is a solution to build modern cloud-native apps. With app platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites quickly and easily. Simply point to your GitHub repository and let the app platform do all the heavy lifting for you. It has support, support for a lot of different languages like Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, and Docker. DigitalOcean runs their app platform on their own infrastructure, so your costs are significantly lower than with other products. And this, this infrastructure that they use is built on DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup. As a listener of Hardware Addicts Podcast and a member of the Destination Linux Network community, you can get started for free. Actually, no, better than free. 
because DigitalOcean is going to be giving you a $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash DLN. Again, go to do.co slash DLN and get started with that $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform service. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. All right, so back on Tuesday, November 10th, Apple had a One More Thing event. And I was pretty excited about this event because I knew this is where Apple was going to release the Apple Silicon we've been talking about. And we would see what kind of innovations and things they were going to come out with. Now, I know there's a lot of listeners out there who do not like Apple. There's a lot of listeners who like Apple. I think you're going to be interested in hearing this no matter which side you're on. Because there's some big mistakes here on an otherwise kind of really interesting technology that we're going to get into and talk about some of the impacts it's going to have to the wider ecosystem of PCs here. The first thing that I thought was really interesting is that they mentioned their Mac business had grown 30%. Now, I didn't expect to hear this news that the Mac business had grown to that level when you think about a company that the size of Mac and the amount of the market that they own, which I think is somewhere between six and eight percent of the PC market. No, I think they have a little, I think they have about 15 percent or something like that now. So growing another 30 percent is quite an extensive accomplishment. For yeah, yeah, it's a big jump. And then you have 50 percent of their buyers. They said of that 30 percent, 50 percent of them are brand new. It's their first Mac. So that really speaks strongly to a demand for something other than Windows. When you have that many people searching for an alternative operating system, an alternative ecosystem, that you have 50% of your buyers are brand new. They're not repeat customers, which is a really interesting... I, I just That really was a head-scratcher for me because I didn't expect the demand to go up so high. But I think Windows leaving themselves at Windows 10 not having any more iterative upgrades, right? They, for all we know, there's not going to be a Windows 11. They're just going to keep enhancing Windows 10. At least that's kind of the rumor out there that, that's going to be happening. People are growing tired of that ecosystem and looking for something different. And I had hoped that something different would be something like Linux, where it's open source, very secure, you know, a lot of privacy built in. Apple definitely focuses on their advertising of their privacy. But compared to Linux, I mean, come on. <laughs> well, yeah. they're so, on that side, hardware for Linux is out there. It's just not being widely advertised. So if a business is looking for something that's different than Windows, they'll automatically jump to, well, let's try Mac. Because while there are some amazing offerings on the business side for a computer that comes with Linux, it just doesn't have the ad space. Yeah, and also they don't have the uh, excessive brand marketing of acting like just being using a Mac makes you better than the other people. You know, they don't what have that it? either. <laughs> well, uh, I've heard that from their own commercials, but haven't really yeah. seen any evidence of that. Well, what's interesting is I, I couldn't help but think if Linux was actually in stores like Best Buys and Targets and had sections in those stores like Mac has that. Oh yeah. We, you could really sell this to people, but the vast majority really don't understand that there's a third alternative out there. I think they probably Linux has definitely grown in popularity, but from a desktop user perspective, probably haven't heard of it very much. 
And you're right, Michael. Mac has done an incredible job of creating a culture around their product. And that culture is very much this, a whole part of why people go and buy a Mac. And they, they spent a lot of time, even in this short video that they had talking about this culture with this cool music, rebellious Mac users. It's like all in black and white Mac users who can't repair their devices. They left that part out. But they were like, <laughs> Mac users don't wait for greatness. They make it, you know, and all kinds Unless of Unless they're talking about their hardware, then they have to wait for the next one or someone else to fix it because you can't do it yourself. You can't right. make it. You can't <laughs> fix it. You can't get inside it because we put rivets in it. <laughs> but so do you think they're speaking to the people that are already using a mobile device from Apple? We have this great ecosystem where the two devices can talk to each other. So if you're upgrading... Don't go to Windows. Come to us because we've got everything you need for everything to just blend together. They're just smarter, honestly, than Microsoft when it comes to creating a fan base. They're smarter in the aspect that they focus on the trends of things out there like privacy, right? They're out there focusing and messaging on privacy nonstop throughout this whole campaign, this whole event. They were talking about the privacy that they've built into it. You never hear that talked about in Windows. They're not no, going to discuss it. No, because it's phoning home, right? You have people talking about how can I shut down things so it's not eating data. Additionally, in Destination Linux, we talked about the fact of Android and how I really think Google Android is in big trouble in the phone marketplace. There are only really two competitors in the marketplace when we look at the grand scale of things. I know people will send in comments and be like, what about the Pine phone? And what about this? And those are awesome options. Do not get me wrong. But that's a niche market. Most people have never heard of it. They're not going to go to a store, go to their local telecom carrier and go pick one up. So when we're talking about the two big monopolies out there, you've got Apple and you've got Android. Now, Android, you could get a phone for a couple hundred dollars and it was a pretty decent phone. And the iPhones were four, five, six hundred dollars at the minimum. But now with the SEs being released and things along those lines, you're just seeing I think Apple is just dominating Google and the Play Store having so many issues with malware. And again, we get into that in full on the next Destination Linux number 200 coming out. You can listen to that. I think this has opened up a huge market for Apple, who's smart enough to kind of sweep in and take it. Whereas, frankly, in the Linux community, there are no companies that are really looking to take advantage of the desktop market. They want the enterprise, which they own in the cloud. But they don't see these as holes and gaps that they can go fill. They look at it like it's this impossible market, which imagine how Apple back in the day would have felt about trying to enter into the desktop market. There, there was almost no hope the company was going bankrupt. But here they are today or trillions of dollars because they focus there. It's just an interesting lesson in perseverance, I think, in some ways. And mm -hmm. they've certainly sold the messaging. And also not looking at what it is, but what could be. And that's pretty much what Apple's doing is when they see something that they're like, okay, we're, we're going to think about doing this, but we're going to make sure when we do it, we're going to do it right. And I do give credit to Apple when they do something and they announce something, it's most of the time done very well and uh, very well put together, very well marketed and all that stuff. Not every time, but most of the time they do, they do a, a good job at that. And it's amazing because they can get their users to look past so much. When you look at the iPhones now no longer coming with the yeah. AC adapter and they say, well, it's, it's an, e you know, we're trying to save the environment and everyone's like, oh, 
That's so sweet. I like how they're saying like, and 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 fifty percent of the new users aren't going to have the stuff that they need to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're going to go have to buy one anyways. And on top of that, you have a phone that you can't replace anything on. So it essentially is garbage once it you know goes. Uh, but they they don't care about that part of the environment. But definitely saving you an AC adapter brick that's going to save everything. Thank thank goodness. Uh, but the remarketing is so powerful that people look past it. Your inability to repair any of these things. And that really goes into the new Apple Silicon announcement here. Specifically, their M1 chip is what they're calling it. Small size, power efficient, obviously. They've combined the CPU, the RAM, the GPU, the security chip into the one sock. So if you thought the Apple MacBooks were not repairable before... They're really not repairable. You basically have nothing but a screen left if you go to repair that thing because you're going to be putting a whole brand new full logic board in this system that's going to have to have every single piece on it. All the expensive stuff, CPU, RAM, and GPU. What about all the consolidation of effort and technology? That's true. And, you know, being able to glue (laughs) stuff is fun. You know, my kids love getting a bottle of glue and just sticking random things on their page. And And you can also help them learn to solder so they can can use with basically hot glue with metal. Fantastic. They love that. (laughs) I will give them that it's on five nanometer technology. You can't take it away that they have been able to do some incredible things with this chip here. 16 billion transistors. Absolutely incredible. Eight cores. They combined that with the high performance and high efficiency. They acted like that was new, but that's basically ARM's big little architecture we've all talked about on the show previously. Shares 12 megabytes of L2 cache, 128 kilobytes of data cache, 192 kilobytes of instruction cache, low efficiency cores, using a tenth of the power at the same performance as the dual core Intel in the MacBook Air today. So if you get one of the MacBook Airs today, They're saying it utilizes a tenth of the power, but at the exact same performance level of that CPU there. Unified memory architecture, sharing memory between the CPU and GPU is needed. Best performance per watt of any CPU they're claiming anyways there. So they also packed a 16 core neural engine inside of this as well. When they put the charts up here, they're saying that it is the it is faster than the latest laptop. PC chip. But what the heck is what is that? What is the latest laptop? Wendy, what's what the latest laptop PC to? chip? Do you know? Because I, I don't know what they're referring to here. Yeah, I don't no know. No idea. I think they're probably talking about the latest Walmart laptop PC chip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be it. Yeah. Uh, with <laughs> all of this, of course, combined, the cost of repair is just going to be exorbitant here. I it really frustrated me because there was an opportunity here for, I think, Apple to really make it difficult to resist them if they actually, you know, were able to make their own silicon here, put it in a Mac that you could repair, for instance, take out the CPU, which combines the CPU itself, the GPU, and be able to pull that out, right? The GPU and the neural engine and things and be able to replace just that maybe inside of that board if something was to go wrong there. Have some inner parts that you could take out and swap out with other parts so that you could fix this thing would be amazing. It would make it so difficult to say anything negative about Apple, but they didn't go there. It would, but we're looking at something where not only is that stuff you can't interchange if something breaks down, you're stuck with either 8 or 16 gigabytes of RAM. It is essentially just like your phone 
The RAM that it comes with is the only RAM you get, period. No upgradability. They also, of course, announced their Big Sur, which is the dumbest name ever, uh, operating system update, updates to Safari messages, privacy features, instant wake from sleep like iPad or iPhone. They claim Safari is the fastest browser. I mean, who can who can know? You'd have to have a Mac to know because you can't run Safari anywhere else. Final Cut Pro 6X, faster possible. Uh, it's faster on the M1, they're saying, than the Intel. Audio editing on M1, you can do that as well. So if you get this MacBook Air, essentially you could do video, audio editing, all of that. You could technically do that on a MacBook Air today, but it gets really, really hot and it would probably be really difficult to actually be very productive with a long video there but they're claiming this can do it all and they have the Rosetta 2 of course which runs apps built for Intel and lets them run on this new ARM architecture and you can run all iPhone and iPad apps on this Mac which is that's pretty impressive because now you have potential of hundreds and thousands of new software that you can run on this thing. Yeah, you can get I know all that of the underpowered that... stuff that you could do on your phone <laughs> and now have it on your Mac. But the stuff you could use, now you can't. That's why they don't hire you so... for advertising, Michael. Oh, my bad. But my I bad. know there's things like some of the Adobe software, right, you can use on an iPhone. I wonder if well, Adobe I mean, will make specific improvements. <laughs> right. But I wonder if they will make specific improvements knowing that, okay, if it is running on this hardware like one of these laptops can it have this additional functionality because it has it will have access to more ram and that kind of thing because it is in a, a bigger device altogether allowing it to have extra things in the hardware that you can't pack in a phone at least yet yeah, I think that's possibly there's a benefit there, but I think that Adobe was super excited to do more work on a new architecture. I think that's what made them really happy that, that Apple did this. You think they were jumping for joy over yeah, that? Yeah, they were like, Woo-hoo. yes, more architectures, double our work. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, but it, it's kind of funny because, you know, earlier you were talking about how it's the, the tenth of the power of the previous, like, Intel MacBook Air and also a tenth of the software because it's a whole different architecture well with their selling as much as they're claiming they're selling here i think the software developers will be running towards apple i mean they're you're, they're almost guaranteed to have to deal with it they're gonna have to pivot because i mean it's apple and they have enough power to convince a lot of the industry to pivot i think that's a good point and overall this could be positive for a lot of arm devices out there when we look at you know, the the Pine 64 ARM devices, when we think about Raspberry Pis and all of that, the more software that runs on ARM. Now, potentially, it's not going to be the same instruction set uh, for them because I'm sure Apple does some really special thing that nobody else does. So maybe it won't end up contributing back to the I assume their, the their instruction ecosystem. sets are put together with glue as well. So Yes, lots uh, of Elmers <laughs> in here. Water now, soluble. the MacBook Air... Still costs $999. So they're making their own silicon here. You're not getting Intel. You're not getting AMD. You're getting the Apple silicon. You can't repair the thing. Everything's on one sock. It still costs $999. So they didn't give any price break during a pandemic or for the fact that they're creating it themselves or anything. You just pay the same price as the, the Intel version. Deal with it. 
I think I think their reasoning is probably because uh, they can. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, also, exactly. it's like the kind of the situation where they're probably going to argue that they are taking in all this overhead and they have to justify it somehow or whatever. Yeah. Well, they at least have some nice specs here. And I'll give it to Mac here when you hold one of their laptops, just talking about the outer shell, the screen, the detail in the trackpad, the speaker quality, those things that most every single laptop out there cheaps out on they nail with very high quality inside. So you're at least getting that as a value. Just don't let anything ever go wrong with it because it'll just be a really nice paperweight at that point. But they're saying it's faster than 98% of PC laptops sold in the last year. Of course, they didn't mention any. So we have no idea where that statistic... Exactly what they're comparing it? it to. Yeah. Yeah. 80% of all statistics are made up on the spot. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what I heard. At least 60% of that is true. <laughs> yep. it's nine times well, faster in final skewed, cut pro right? you have storage ssd up to two times faster with the m1 storage controller also built onto the same sock so hopefully that never goes bad you have no fan inside so it's completely silent that's what 15- that's the solution you have no fan that's that you get the 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 silence because you trade silence for repairability and that's that's where it comes from yes and how they need hard that is it silence. gonna get and how long can you actually edit Don't that video with no Don't worry, you won't hear it getting hot, so it's up. fine. So it's, yeah, but it's you're really not gonna, cool. You're, you're not going to hear it getting hot. It's all good. <laughs> Why does my Apple laptop that I just spent $1,000 on keep shutting down while editing 4K video? Oh, it might be overheating. They have a lot of problems with overheating in their MacBook they Pro do. line specifically, and a lot of this has to do with their obsession with trying to be silent or trying to make the laptops as thin as possible and it just never works out. Now with ARM, it's more likely that you're going to have less heat generated just because they consume less power, especially at 5 nanometers versus a 14 nanometer Intel chip inside. It's just going to produce a lot less heat, likely. But still, I always take comfort in hearing fans in there knowing that things are cooling down because just like a car, if you keep running it on a racetrack, the parts wear out faster. The same thing happens in electronics. So it's a problem, uh, potentially. We'll see. 18 hours of video playback, six hours longer than the Intel version. You get improved webcam, P3 wide color support on Retina, and Touch ID, of course, there. See, that wide so, color support, now that sounds beautiful. Yeah, they have some amazing screens. And this is another area where, frankly, all of these big laptop manufacturers are just, they, they just completely, it goes over their head. They copy so many things from Apple, like the non-repairable part where now Dells and everybody else are soldering their RAM into the same board. But they don't copy the things that they should, like having a really quality screen instead of the 1920 by 1080 that we've had for how many years now? Uh, even if you get a $1,300 laptop, 1920 by 1080, are you What excited? are you talking about? That's a huge upgrade. I mean, I, I can't, I, the, the days of like, what, three weeks ago is 1366 by 768 were everywhere. Your three weeks ago is. <laughs> okay. That ago. might be an exaggeration of a decade, <laughs> but still. <laughs> yeah. but that is one reason why they definitely have an appeal for creators is because they have that color support, but makes it really easy to do things like video editing, photo editing, graphic design, that kind of thing where the color really matters and having it mm-hmm. nailed is extremely important. 
Yeah, I'll give them credit there too. Also, the retinas, like the higher resolution, even on the laptop, because like so most of the time you get the laptops that do have like high resolution, the screens are subpar and you're like, yeah, it's higher resolution, but it still looks bad. So I'd rather it. Yeah, I would rather a smaller resolution that looks good than the reverse. Well, I have behind me, Michael, we were on the phone earlier today when my wife came into the room and said, what the heck is this? You remember that? Yes, and you kept denying that you did not buy a new piece of hardware. <laughs> I, I did not. I was like, "Don't worry, no, it's not a new laptop." She's like, "It feels like a new laptop to me. It's in a box shaped like a laptop." I'm like, "No, that, that's just how this. This is how this other product comes in. It just and it, well, what it's what Ryan? Why does it say laptop on the box? That yeah. is not important. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about that. People just reuse boxes. So I have a Razer laptop here that has a 4K screen. I've been playing with it all the way leading up to Hardware Addicts today, I can tell you that 4K screen, at least my initial impression is, holy smokes, that's beautiful. So hopefully some other PC manufacturer, laptop, manufacturers of laptops out there taking note, going to start putting more high-end resolution screens in their laptops so that we're not still dealing with these ugly, glossy 1920 by 1080 screens and junk speakers and everything else that they stick in to these expensive machines that they just try to sell you on. Well, it's got an Intel i7 in it or an AMD Ryzen and everything else is junk, though. That's where they missed the ball a lot. We also had the MacBook Mini. This one did get a, a price drop. It got a price drop of $100, so I'll give them credit on that. The problem is that this was the one Mac that you could actually upgrade the RAM in. Like you could take a Mac mini before and you could pull off the lid. I have a video on it on my channel and you could upgrade the RAM. It was really they simple. They saw your video and were like, oh my gosh, we messed up. You can upgrade the RAM. We have to fix that right now. I love it. <laughs> I think you're right, Wendy. I messed it up for the whole Apple ecosystem when I did that video. They're like, how did he figure out how to get around this grate we put around the RAM to make it look Crap. like it's not there? Yeah. So they gave you a $100 price drop on that. And then you got the MacBook Pro they released as well. Same price again at $1,299. Now, Wendy, you were telling me something really interesting right before the show about this new architecture and what won't work with it. Yeah, one of the biggest bummers of, I guess, this upgrade for a lot of people is even though you will have a Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt port on these systems, quote unquote, Thunderbolt port, because we're not exactly sure what they're meaning by that terminology, because you will not be able to use an external GPU with these new systems that are running Whoa. on ARM. That is ridiculous. One of the things that made the MacBook Mini not just a fancy Chromebook equivalent was the fact that you could hook an eGPU into it and actually do some decent level gaming and or video rendering or work off of a Mac mini. But the fact that now you can't even use an eGPU just absolutely makes these completely worthless. Right. Because if you wanted that functionality, just go with something that's cheaper like a Chromebook. You're spending a whole lot less money and still getting to use some mobile style apps I mean, granted, there are some of the hardware inside the MacBook Mini that is better than your standard Chromebook. But if you can't use that external GPU, which so many people do with this type of Macs, what are, what are they left with for that kind of rendering and heavy work? 
I think this is a complete product bomb on Apple's part. I think it will also be extremely successful for them. They'll sell bajillions of them because it's Apple and that's just how things work. But it annoys me because if you have to get an Apple out there, I was tweeting about this and some people were responding like, yeah, but it's still Apple. If you have to get an Apple, get the Intel version because at least you're supporting a company, Intel, that has done amazing things for so many years for open source. And you can take heart in knowing that even though you are giving money to a company that basically is making it impossible for you to repair your machine, licensing your your software, and is great for writers and Starbucks and hipsters and things that at least you got the version that has Intel in it that actually does some real good in the open source community out there. I I think I would stick with the Intel if I was going to buy a Mac. You had me at Starbucks. Okay, well, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's true. So overall, this was a bomb for me. What do you think, Wendy? It's the same for me. I was thinking that this could be some really cool technology. And I think they started out there. There's just some big things that they didn't get worked out that is really important for the people who actually use this hardware. Michael, what are your thoughts? I mean, these pieces, uh, this this tech, I don't really care about the, the Mac hardware because their Mac hardware is always just very low powered. And this is like the purpose is to be that essentially. And that doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. When they did the one more thing, I was hoping they were going to do some like AR glasses or something because there's a lot of rumors about that happening. Yeah, so me too. that would be super interesting to see how would Apple do that. But this, meh. Now, between a Windows laptop and a Mac, personally, I would pick a Mac with Intel, not with this new ARM junk. Because I just I think it's just a better security, better privacy than Windows. Preferably, I would just have Linux and not have to worry about any of it. But given right. between those two, I would choose a Mac. And I think that's where a lot of people are, right? They're not, they're not aware, as we talked about in the beginning of the Linux offering here. It's really sad because I also hope some of this technology could be used to get Apple into more of the open source ecosystem. Maybe some things that could help support the ARM architecture across the board. I just don't know that we're going to see that happen. I don't know that Windows is going to come out with some new Surface line that's ARM-based to try to compete with this, or if they're just going to kind of stick with software-as-a-service offerings like Windows has been doing lately and ignore this market altogether, which means it's really Apple's for the taking because who else is really competing here in this field? I mean, that's a it's a good point. And I, I do want to say one thing. You were talking about the better hardware. I think that they, when people look at the better hardware in terms of like performance and quality over the overall power you can get with it, not necessarily the package that you get as a whole. And with the Apple products, they definitely have a better overall package because it's just much better, you know, better peripherals and more well put together and that sort of stuff. So you could kind of say better ingredients, better pizza. Apple Mac. What? Wow. 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 Wendy, please do the ad read. We got to move on. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Hardware Addicts is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentication features such as master passwords, adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. 
Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is the password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. You can self-host it. Plus, one of my favorite features is they regularly have security audits. And not only do they have security audits, but then they share that information with you, the data that comes directly from the company they've hired. You get to see what they found. And this last time they had a security audit, there were no issues. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Want to support them or get some extra features? That starts at just $10. And I said starts, but actually it's only $10 period for an entire year. You get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step authentication for logins with YubiKeys, U2F, or Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage, and Generation Priority Customer Service. Make the smart move like many of the community here at the Destination Linux Network have done. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll really want to show your appreciation for this amazing open source software with the premium edition of just $10 per year. Thank you so much, Bitwarden, for sponsoring this episode of Hardware Addicts. Okay, Wendy, so we've had some bad news with Apple. Please tell me you've got a camera, some kind of monster, something awesome to get us excited for this week. I came across this Canon sensor and was like, oh my goodness, really? 250 megapixels. What in the world are you going to do with this? And this isn't some gigantic sensor. It's a little bit smaller than what we would call a full frame camera. So sensor size is 36 by 24 millimeters. It's really overall pretty small. One of the amazing things is what we call pixel pitch. So how close are those pixels together? And they got it. I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but 1.5 micrometers. A blood cell is 10 micrometers wide. These are absolutely tiny. You can shoot images as fast as five frames per second. While watching the documentation on this thing, it was crazy how you take this image and you can zoom in so far and still see so much detail. Is this going to be in your consumer camera? Absolutely not. They have developed this sensor. (laughs) (laughs) They've developed this sensor for video production, especially where we have these gigantic 8K TVs coming out. There has to be a camera that can actually look good if you're spending that much money on a TV for 8K. So they're for video production. They're really going to help in healthcare, scientific research, that kind of thing, where you can take a picture of this extremely tiny, itty-bitty little thing and still be able to zoom way into it and have great detail. So while you won't be seeing this in your everyday camera, it is amazing technology that's going to help in some of these other things. That around. So while I say in your camera for the day-to-day stuff, megapixels don't matter, they kind of, you know, made me eat crow here because here they have done a really So now they cool do job. matter. So do they matter or not matter? I don't know. I'm so confused. <laughs> 
in your day-to-day stuff, if you're buying a camera just for you, don't focus only on the megapixels because there are other things to worry That's about right. to focus on, right? So, I mean, it is one thing to consider as you're looking them, but is it the only feature? No. No, it's not. Because when you say this will our- not be in the consumer lineup, right. but eventually, probably 10 years from now, this may be like the norm for everyone to go it out there and be. get it. Yeah. Yeah, it could trickle down to the consumer market. Right now, are we going to see it? No. I can't imagine what this sensor would cost. Oh, my goodness. I'm pretty sure that the people that are paying for it are dishing out lots. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're like minimum 150000 Maybe see more. at 150. I was like, oh, I could we could afford that on the budget of this show. 150 dollars, <laughs> 150. Um, you know, yeah. no, that, that would be thousand, thousand, anything, and it's probably even more than that, right? That that's probably a low ball there. What a deal! What a deal! But since we teased this, there was a community member that jumped in. Uh, Skinix86, I'm not sure if I'm saying your name right, but, you know, we kind of teased about this monster Canon sensor. And so they wanted a comparison between something that somebody could buy that's on the market. Now, most people aren't going to buy a Hasselblad. On average, you know, their camera bodies run anywhere to 50, 30 to $50,000, right? They are not a cheap camera body by any means. But they are extremely high quality. So if you're looking at one of the top of the line Hasselblad's medium format camera, their sensor size on the largest one is 53 by 40 millimeters. And let, let's go back and think about this. That the one for, oh, and I said, I quoted that wrong before. The full frame was 24 by 36. But the actual sensor size for this monster Canon is actually 28.7 by 19. So it's smaller than that full frame. This Hasselblad is 53 by 40. 53 by 40. It could eat this tiny itty bitty little sensor. (laughs) And with a sensor so big, it has 100 megapixels. Is that way bigger than your standard camera? Absolutely. But you have this much larger sensor size and overall, a much smaller megapixel count. Well, what does this give the Hasselblad over, say, your full frame camera that is 24 megapixels? Well, they're keeping those pixel sizes much larger. And one of the wonderful things that that does is it gives you more dynamic range. And I've talked about that before, which how much detail can you see in the brightest parts of the image and how much detail can you see in the darkest parts of the image and they typically compare these megapixels to buckets so if you have a larger bucket you can fill it with more water before it overflows aka before it blows out your whites and it gives you so much more detail in that range of brights and darks to have really detailed images if you're buying a Hasselblad you can still have some crazy sharp images. These are made, people use these if you're doing commercial photography and these images are going on massive billboards where not only do they need to be stretched, but they need to be stretched absolutely huge and still look good. 
Wow. So is this the official camera of Hasselhoff? Uh, Black. No. I think that's like an automatic. Just we, we've confirmed it right now on this episode. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean right. Hasselhoff definitely has a Hasselblad camera. I mean, <laughs> well, if he does it, we him. need to fix that. Yeah, I will. He's my best friend. <laughs> this is fascinating because it's a war of the insanely inaccessible, inaccessible hardware here. When you're talking about these kind of cameras at thirty, forty thousand for the Hasselblad, who knows how much for the two hundred fifty megapixel Canon. These are just out of range for any regular person, but fascinating if this is your field and you can get your hands on one of these and use something like this. It's just amazing how far cameras have come along. They're, they're amazing technology and I love seeing how much more detailed, you know, even if I'm not running out and buying one of these cameras with one of these sensors, it's really cool to see just how sharp that you can get some of these images on teeny tiny itty bitty things yeah that's awesome well thanks for sharing that and thank you to the community for reaching out and sending in your suggestions wendy loves them we yes, won't I respond do. to them michael and me because we can't answer anything related no to cameras, idea what you're even talking wendy, about <laughs> i'm glad wendy got the question you didn't send it to either of us We'd have no idea. We'd be like, Hasselhoff? Yeah, he's a great actor. He's in that <laughs> <Yeah>. one show. <laughs> I, you know, Knight, Knight Rider and everything. Yeah, Knight Rider's amazing. Well, that's it. You did bring my spirits up, so thank you, Wendy, for that. It was much better than the Apple news that we had to cover there. But that's it. Our 23rd episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. So thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi-weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on Destination Linux Network. Head to DestinationLinux.network to check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much there to fill your brains with. And we have a brand new podcast. And I think the hardware addicts are probably going to want to add this one to their bucket. Chris Weir has joined Destination Linux family. Michael, did you know this? Oh, I, I, I've heard about it. I think yeah. you, you, should, you, should, you should let them know much more about that. What, what's the show called? It's called GameSphere. So if you're into gaming, if you're into hardware, you're probably into gaming. Probably. You may use hardware for other things. But come on. You, if you're not, you need to get your game on. You need to head to GameSphere. It's out there right now. He's going to release his first episode right now. You can just get it on your... There's a kind of an intro just to the show talking about what it's going to be and what it's going to be about. The first episode is going to drop soon. So you can go ahead and preload that onto your podcast players. You're going to want to get that show, GameSphere. It's going to be awesome. Plus, he has a British accent. And I just like listening to anybody with a British accent. And he can yeah, be talking about that's carpet. Just, yeah, just subscribe. Yeah. That's enough right there. There you go. Yeah, I have someone else to blame when I'm buying games, not just Matt. I've got two people that it's, it's their fault. There you go. <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed this show, and we'll see you next time for another power-efficient megapixel episode of Hardware Addicts. And don't worry, this podcast doesn't glue down everything, so there's plenty of repairability, a.k.a. replayability. So if you aren't subscribed yet, then you should go do that right now. 